It is 2.03. Good afternoon. I'm Lucas Panzeca. It is week one of the 2021 NFL season. The Titans are off today. They'll return to the practice field tomorrow in preparation for Sunday's game in Nissan Stadium against the Arizona Cardinals. A few players activated from the COVID-19 list over the weekend, including quarterback Ryan Tannehill. He was on the practice field yesterday, as well as tight end Jeff Swaim, who was activated from the list on Monday. Only two Titans players remain on the COVID list. Mike Vrabel said yesterday that Nate Davis and Ben Jones are expected to be back with the team this week. Ole Miss and Louisville rounded out week one of the college football season Monday night in Atlanta. Ole Miss cruised to a 43-28 victory, and the AP Top 25 is out after week one of the college football season. Georgia moves up to second right behind Alabama after defeating Clemson on Saturday as the Tigers drop down to six. LSU out of the Top 25 after a loss at UCLA and the Bruins move into the top 20 right at number 16. Auburn Tigers sneak in at number 25. For all your foundation repair and waterproofing needs, visit USSTN.com. Breaking news at once on your home for the Titans and Vols. This is 104.5 The Zone. What's going on, everybody? It's a, it's not Monday. It's Tuesday. It's one of those Tuesdays that is a Monday because the week starts on Tuesday, sort of like it normally starts on Monday. But the great thing is it's not really Monday. So instead of five days, it's only four. So you can tell yourself all day it feels like Monday, but Monday's gone. <laughs> what did you just say? Happy Tuesday, everybody. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Man. Ooh, that was a mouthful. Yeah. Speaking of a mouthful, this is deep. We still finish our teeth. Let's transition there back into the... That was a great transition. The Dog of the Week segment that picks up from that first hour. Lucas just disappeared when I said that. I think he's on the floor. No, no you, you and Lucas are supposed to give your teeth. <laughs> what are you talking about? See, your mind is in the gutter. Your mind is... Oh man, that that man, hey man, did you push the the, the button? <laughs> Ding dong, did you push the button in there to record all that? Yeah, I pushed the button. <laughs> okay, well tell us your ding dong uh, of the week there now. Did yes, you get? we're picking this up from the first. You have hour. one yet? Oh, okay, Mark's, he's taking a call. Mark's yes, of course he is now. Mark, <laughs> I'm literally seeing spots. I'm laughing <laughs> so hard. I'm seeing spots right now. Uh, that's what I used to feel. I uh, see you after I hit Jerome Bettis or yeah, something. Corey, Corey Dillon. Corey Dillon. I'm like, oh man, dude, that dude runs hard. <laughs> Whoa, he is hard. I better come, better come with <laughs> some more, <laughs> some more hitman. Because <laughs> that would never hurt. I yeah. I just learned. I I could read. I, I you can't to, read. No, I tried to hit people so low that I could read because, you know, you used to pull up the tongue of your shoe and it have the the, the logo. Like oh, okay. shoes now, the tongue doesn't come up. Right, But right, shoes right. used to have like the logo. I would try to read it. I wanted to hit people so low. I tried to hit them in the feet. Oh, yeah. You were trying, to, you were trying, to, tie, you were trying to tie their shoes, shoelaces. I was, uh, yeah. That's what I used to tell Doorknob. I mean, uh, Smart Row. Smart Doorknob. Like, hey, man, this is, <laughs> just dive at his ankle and make him stutter. I'm coming. That's it. Yeah, Although nobody either. was coming on my team, but still, I was, you know, I was at least, I wasn't going to get myself knocked out by somebody's knee. Oh, that's happened. That, that's what happened with Eric Gray in the Ravens game. Oh, man, he <laughs> need me in the third quarter. <laughs> Boop. I was like, Whoa. I felt like <laughs> Rocky Balboa. <laughs> like, boom. Oh, Ooh, where am I? <laughs> oh, I, 
right. Like, that dude's knee and head has to be the hardest person I've ever hit. Eric Rett. Oh, my gosh. He was looking at me laughing. That dude ran so hard. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he ran so hard. He was ran himself up out the league. He sure did. Pretty yeah. quick. Yeah. He used himself up. He took. He gave a lot of punishment, though. Yeah, he did. He, he, and he, he was, definitely he got me a couple times. He was strong. Anyway, you can Google Eric. Eric, not Eric, but Eric. It had a T on the end. Eric Rett. Oh, yeah. It yeah. Did. Oh, okay. uh, ding yeah. Dong Florida, of the Florida week. guy, man. He was, he was hard. Ding Dong of the Week doesn't have a, a T on the end, but Mark Spain Real Estate does. They sponsor this segment each week, and it always seems to start slow. And then the segment just starts to grow slowly. And then it gets bigger and bigger each week, the ding-dong of the week segment. So we've got phone calls. We've got Lucas's ding-dong. We've got my ding-dong. We're certainly and I going- got another ding-dong. You've got two. Yeah, yeah, I let's, got another. Let's hit the phones right quick because yeah. Eli has been at this for a while. He's been waiting, Eli, in the borough with his ding-dong of the week on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. What's up, Eli? Uh, yeah, hey, fellas. Just want to say I love the show, but. I want to nominate myself as the ding-dong of the week for believing that this Vandy team could do any kind of good on the football field <laughs> after what they did last year. I bought into the hype way too early. And now I'm going to nominate myself for ding-dong of the week. Eli, let me ask you a, this. There was a lot of people like that, though. Yeah, everybody yeah. believes – whatever your There's team is, you always want to believe in the offseason. Everybody's got hope until week one, and you start to get a look at who your team is. But if somebody had said – Hey, what's the best you think this team can do? Even at your most optimistic, what did you think Vandy was going to do in year one of Clark Lee? Or what? Beat ETSU, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, other than that, what do you think record wise? Uh, I was thinking at least like three wins, maybe four. Yeah. Just beat some FCS schools, you know? See, Eli, hey, Eli, thank you for the call. Yeah, I can hear the hurt in his voice. Yeah, Here's that the thing, Blake. Right. That guy wasn't unrealistic at all. No. I was wasn't. thinking three or four wins. And he still sounds like somebody just shot his dog, that yeah. guy. Well, I, mean, I think they shot his offensive thing, though. Well, the, the offensive coordinator isn't even calling plays. Football scoop came out with that, and then I guess some mess Clark Lee about it. The passing game coordinator is calling the plays. They hired a guy to be the OC. He's not calling the plays. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Stop talking about today. Wait, 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 wait. Is he calling the run plays and the other person is calling the passing plays? No, it just came out today. That no, I won't name it's always best to name names. Oh, this happened right as we were coming. While, while you're here. looking, Lucas can give us this ding dong. So Miami down twenty-seven nothing finally hits a bright spot in the game against Alabama. They force a fumble. They take out the turnover chain. They're celebrating the turnover. Oh, right, right, right. They have I like remember. two full-time staffers, I guess, just in charge of the turnover chain. Uh, and they crown the guy. They put the chain on him, even though they're down four touchdowns. And then it gets overturned, no turnover, and they had to put the chain back. Yeah, that's a, the player had to take it off his neck and give it to him. That, that was horrible. But uh, uh, here you go. This is from okay, go Aria uh, Gerson, who's the new uh, Vanderbilt writer for for the Tennessean. Clark Lee said that pass game coordinator Joey Lynch is calling the plays and has been doing so since the first week of preseason practice. That's not the OC. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Pass game coordinator. So he's calling well, the runs and the, the passing. passing game coordinator is calling the running and passing. So why does he have the title? If I, if you're him, aren't you asking that same question? Well, because sometimes the title's even more important than pay. Because you want to say that you were the OC. Yeah. Well, he's he can say that he's calling the plays because it's in the it's in the paper. It's on Twitter. Oh. Football scoop had that right before we came on, and then Clark Lee did his press conference. Somebody asked him, and he said, "Yeah, that's the guy who's calling the play." Yeah. Okay. Well, just for sake of information, his dad was my office coordinator at Ball State. 
<laughs> Years ago. Yesterday. Yes. Not that long ago. Years ago. Right, we have, we have more ding-dongs on we the got more? Okay, yeah, because I'll wait to the end and give you mine. But it is a bandy deal, too. Right, Kyle in Savannah, Georgia. Man, beautiful Savannah. What's going on, Kyle? How are you doing? Across hey, the country, man. That's right. What's going on? Yeah, all right. So I have a double-decker ding-dong of the week. Double-decker ding-dong. Yeah, so obviously the big one uh, for me uh, for the weekend was definitely UConn football with Randy Etzel. Oh, what a joke. Yeah. They literally fired the guy about two, three years ago and then brought him back. Yeah. Wow, that's the definition of insanity. Expecting the different results but using the same system, right. that, that was a joke. But this is a bigger one. My ding-dong of the year goes to Bud Light. Bud Light screwing fans over and trying to sell that they want tickets to regular season games but trying to push preseason games on people. I know there's fans out there that won the Bud Light Stimmy Tickets Contest, and they were pushing preseason tickets on these fans when in the guidelines they said they were giving regular season tickets. So my ding dong of the year goes to Bud Light because they deserve it. Ooh. A, a, a drunken ding dong, right? A drunken ding dong is a dangerous ding dong. Lucas, <laughs> Lucas just looks slack jawed and dumbfounded in there. Do you know anything about the old switcheroo there? <laughs> no, I do not. Okay, I, I, I don't either. <laughs> I got yeah. nothing to back that up. Yeah, okay. Lucas said he had some Bud Lights yesterday. So <laughs> <laughs> let's get let's get Will in Nashville. My my ding dong, by the way, is Edo for saying, "Look at your sissy blue shirt." Oh, and then losing right. to UCLA. Right. UCLA. They turned this into selling T-shirts with Hey, that was uh, Jim Rome's ding-dong in his CBS update about, about 10 minutes ago. Hey, man. Oh, they, have one, ding, they have a ding-dong. No uh, one is funnier no, than I Jim Rome. Oh, okay. I was going to say, because we're the originators of the ding-dongs. Let's get, uh, let's get Will in Nashville <laughs> who wants to share his Mark Spain real estate ding-dong uh, hey, of the week. Hey, guys. What's up? Hey, What's man. up? Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, yes, go. sir. We got you. Oh, okay. Yeah, I want to give a collective ding dong to the uh, ACC conference after the uh, way they started the season. Yeah, they started off really bad, that's for sure. Well, thank you. Is there any more to the ding dong? Or are you stopping there? There's the um, the big dog, I guess, ding dong out of the conference because they scheduled one good game and now they have no chance for a redemption. Yeah. Yep. What happened? Yeah, and how about the whole alliance? But the ACC took it on a chin this weekend. I, I will say this, the reverse ding-dong, Mackenzie Milton, the kid who was at UCF, he hasn't played in the game right, in right, three right. years. And mm-hmm. He went to a similar – I don't know if his leg looked like Alex Smith's leg. Never right. Google that, people. But he'd had a similar situation where they're like, hey, you're not going to walk again. And then he played football in a game. Two years was, later. He mm-hmm. was good. So yeah. He was a really good player. Made Brian amazing. Kelly want to execute all his players. Now I heard that live too. Do you know? Do you guys? That, know? that is not. He knew once he said it how it was gonna. He tried to backtrack back it. it. Yeah, but he, he said we didn't execute. Do you guys well. know where that came from, though? John McKay, right? Yeah, when the Buccaneers were losing all their games in 1976, yeah. somebody asked John McKay, who was the Buccaneers coach, "What about your team's execution?" And he just said, "I'm in favor of it." That was the whole thing. Right. It just didn't land. He did not land the plane. He he swerved all over the runway there. Oh, man. We no more ding-dongs. I have one more. Should I wait till we come back? It's, a, it's, it's to Vandy. But it's a, it's an idea more so than a ding-dong. We got Coach Mack next. So let's, let's, oh, just, okay, let's okay. get all our ding-dongs out all right. in the open. I, I was looking up, you know, after they lost, and I go, man, dang. I wonder how much they paid ETSU. 
What do you think they had to pay ETSU? For, I only for know beating that, them. I only know this because I know this. What? It's like four hundred and fifteen thousand. Yep, four hundred and fifteen thousand. So here's my idea. You can tell me if this is a ding dong or not. Here's my idea for Vandy paying teams. Instead of paying or you know, playing paying ETSU four hundred and fifty to play, offer them one million if they lose, and then they pay Vandy five K if they win. <laughs> oh, yes. That that's what I would do. That's what they need to start doing outside of the SEC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Idea, man. You guys listen over at Vandy. You guys are a lot smarter than me over there. So I think you guys need to start thinking about that over these next two or three years. Here's the thing: if they would have had to fly, you would flown, fly, flown. If they had flown, you would have paid them more money than that. That's just because they're in state. Usually, those games are six hundred, six fifty, or something like that for a one double A team, and for a Division one team, it's yes, well yes. over a million. Right. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Coach Mack, he's Division One all the way. He'll join us next to talk Titans. It's game week, and Nick, before we get Coach Mack, let's squeeze in the phone call with Nick. We'll do that when we come back then, Coach Mack. Explain to Mickey 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Coach Mack will join us in just a minute when you hear that music. You know what's coming. By the way, Mack Talk makes its debut tonight on The Zone at, uh, for the season. It's debuted. It's been on before. 6 p.m. You can uh, interact with them. Uh, Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. Or you can hit them up at Titans Radio if you've got questions. Before we get Coach Mack, let's get Nick in Cross Plains, though, and finish up our Ding Dong of the Week segment. Nick, thank you for holding. Hey, thank you guys for having me. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Great. Man. What's going on? Good deal. Um, I had actually two of them because one of them quite killed my parlay that I really didn't like very well. Uh, Washington State. Okay, we all know J.D. He looked sort of the norm uh, as he did here at Tennessee. Um, 15-3 to in the fourth quarter. So I look back, I take a break, and my parlay is gone. I'm like, no. So in another one, this may be surprising. Uh, it's Florida State. Uh, Florida State comeback, I think it was, got me among 18 points yep. in the fourth quarter. Um, took it in overtime and lost by three. Now, I didn't catch the end of that game. They missed a field I, goal. Yeah. yeah, they missed a field goal. Okay, okay. So I'm sitting here thinking, oh, maybe I have to look it up, but yeah. missed a field goal. Oh, man, they fought real hard to get back, but I, I didn't see that coming. Thanks for taking my call. Nick, appreciate the call. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, he would have. they would have won it too, man. I miss field goal in Florida State. I'll tell you who never misses any kicks. Coach Mack, he joins us now. Brought to you by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Need great health care coverage and affordable price. Let Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it. They got you covered. Coach, when you were were a young man out in Texas playing high school football, did you ever strap on the old kick and shoe and, you know, boot a couple of field goals in the game? Well, you were right, Mickey, in your first. I never missed a kick because I never attempted one. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I gotta ask That's you. The truth. I gotta ask you this. Yeah. This popped up on my phone today, and I thought, oh, I'm gonna ask Coach Matt because I know he has a story. On this date in 2003, Anquan Bolden played his first game in the NFL, and Coach, he only had 217 receiving yards against the Lions. That's Steve Mariucci up there when when Mooch was the head coach at the Lions, and they were just into their new place. And uh, and and yes, I mean Anquan Anquan made a debut. 
and and really set the tone for what he was going to be throughout his national throughout his National Football League career. The quarterback was Jeff Blake. They wouldn't let me re-sign Jake Plummer, if you'll remember. He went to Denver, and so we got Jeff Blake. And Jeff Blake came in there at the end of his career, still had a great arm. But Jeff Blake, and Lane's sitting there, he can tell you, threw one of the prettiest deep balls in the history of deep balls. The best. That I mean, thing was like a punt. Oh my! And he, and, but but he still he still had an arm. And I tell you what, a couple of crossing routes he threw behind Anquan when Anquan would have had even more yardage, uh, you know, that game. But Anquan showed up that game. You know what though? If you ask Anquan Bolden about that game, because he he and I have talked about it before since, and 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 I'll tell you what he does. He cares nothing about the rookie record that he set. He cares nothing about that. He's more upset about at the end of the game in the fourth quarter, he dropped a punt that they recovered and took in to win the game. Mm. And so uh, I'm just telling you, Anquan Bolden, uh, there was no doubt in my mind that that was one of the better draft picks I ever stood on the table for. No doubt in my mind when he stepped across the lines in the National Football League, he was going to be a full-grown man from the start, and he proved it there in Detroit that first game. It's interesting, Coach, because people always try to find somebody to comp everybody with. And when the A.J. Brown came into the league, there were some people who comped him to Anquan Bolden. We got a couple of years of A.J. Do, do you see some of that? Well, I was the one that comped him. I mean, <laughs> go back and go back, go back, back and listen to my draft reports. I thought I that still was got right. Every dra- I still got every draft book I've done since 86. And in the in the column next to AJ when I was doing it, I, I put in parenthesis reminds me of Q, is what we call Anquan Bowling. Yes, tough, physical at the catch point, relentless off the line of scrimmage, would not be denied the football, and with the ball in his hand, he was a nightmare for second and third level defenders. So the the, the answer is absolutely yes. Good stuff, Coach Mack, giving us the Mack attack on Blaine and Mickey. Man, Coach. How exciting is it going to be to get back into the stadium with all the fans and hysteria and all the noise and interacting with the fans in the, in the game in the NFL, especially with the Titans, of course? Yeah, Blaine, look, last year mm. was so unusual. Mm. Uh, what's this, my 36th season in a row in the wow. National Football League? And last year, last year, doing that game in Denver, that second Monday night game, to a completely empty stadium – and then empty stadiums for most of the season was one of the strangest experiences I've ever had in over 650 NFL games that I've been involved in. Getting the fans back, even remember, even when we had 8,000 for the first time when they started letting percentages back in, it felt like it felt like wow. At least this is starting to feel like game day, you know. Again, look, fans are a huge part of it. I know that you guys and our listeners watched the collegiate games last weekend. How great was that to see? How, how Ooh, yeah. great was that at, 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 at Camp Randall in Wisconsin? How great yeah, was jump that? Around, coach, in, jump in, around, coach. Jump around. See at Naylor. Yeah, how, how great was that in Blacksburg, Tennessee, just to watch the fans? Look, fans are a huge part of the National Football League landscape, and I'm so glad they're back in it. I can't wait to hang out of the window in the broadcast booth and give, the, give fist bumps to fans. Man, I know. I'm sure the fans can't wait to interact with you as well. I guess before we get started, what are the NFL, I guess, protocols for COVID this year? I know the Titans have a couple guys that's supposed to be coming off of COVID. I think the the, the linemen there. Uh, but it, will they be able to play games if you have a breakout, or will they or will they have to forfeit? What are the the guidelines for that, or do we know yet? <laughs> 
Yeah, we know. I mean, everybody's going to get tested daily now, and if you test positive and cannot and and cannot get a get two negative tests within a 24-hour period, then you've got to you've got to you've got to sit out, just like you know what Coach Vrabel had to do. That's what's going to happen. Now, it, it, if you're unvaccinated, you're immediately gone for 10 days, regardless of what goes on. And so and so, okay. uh, to me, they've made it very clear what the protocols are, and we know what they're going to be. You know, I, I would I think I don't know exactly when these guys. And, and see, it, it's if guys go on, it, it's it's what it, it, there's one of two categories: if you test positive, or if you've been a, uh, in a contact tracing element with someone that has tested positive. And so I don't know what the specifications are of the guys, the two guys we still got on, but I think that we're expecting guys to be back. Right. Well, and I was also the other layer to that that I didn't ask you is: will they be able to move games like they did last season, no. or that's out the window? No. Mm-hmm. No, out the window. They are not. They are not moving games in 18 weeks and the the 17 game uh, uh, regular season that we're playing now. They've already stated they're not moving games. You know, as far as they're not going to move weeks, they're not going to switch games. They're not doing any of that. Uh, that's that's just not in. That's just not in it uh, for this year. This is a two part question before I throw it back to Mickey, and that is, you know, what's the focus of the staff? if it was you, you know, with this extra little time, maybe a day or two of time and, you know, and what's some of the biggest challenges week one, because as a former player, I would always be a little uncomfortable because I relied on instinct and, and studying film and tape. And sometimes they don't show you what they did last year. They may be doing something a little bit different, even though if it's the same staff as well as the same players. So kind of take us through that process from, from a, a coach's viewpoint as well as a player viewpoint. Yeah, well, I mean, plays, it, it, I mean, know, all kind uh, of stuff. Yeah, adjustments in the National Football League are part of it. I mean, you reach this level of coaching and playing, being able to make adjustments on the run. I mean, there are no excuses like Scott Frost liked to put out at Nebraska after that <laughs> first loss to Illinois saying, you know what, they, they did something different in their spring game, and we weren't ready for that. Well, please. So, anyway, <laughs> that's not an excuse in the National Football League. And so what you do, you, 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 watch, you watch the tape, you get your, your players prepared. But you know as well as I do, Lane, just, let's just say defensively. First thing you're going to do, you're going to have some default defenses to go to if they start mm-hmm. doing something different offensively so that you get a chance to regroup on the sideline. You know, and so, you know, you have those settle down defensive calls that you can automatically make that if you're well prepared, that's what you always are going to have. And then depending on how much time you have during, you know, in between, in between series, it's not just halftime adjustments. It's hard to make halftime adjustments, the National Football League, because it's only 12 minutes. I mean, so you've got to be making adjustments series to series to series. But this first game, you try to put as much preparation as a staff into what you think they might do, but you always, always uh, tell your players going into it, look, we're, you know, the thing that you're going to have to rely on is technique and some of our base defenses if we get anything early. And it's the same thing offensively. If they start running pressure packages and they start giving us different looks over there, we've got some things that can counteract nearly everything that they do. may cut down on our call sheet, but it's not going to put us in a panic mode. Mm, keeping it real here, giving us the business. Coach Mack with the Mack attack. Coach, uh, I wrote this question down a couple of weeks ago because I wanted to make sure to ask you week one. As a head coach, as a position coach, no matter where you were coaching or or what position you held on a staff, what were your biggest concerns on week one heading into the first game? 
Well, I mean, as a coach, you want to be sure your team's prepared. And it, it, it dovetails a little bit on what Blaine's question was, because you don't know either. You know, as a coach, I mean, you know, you know enough with the information that you have, but you don't know exactly what they're going to do. And the other thing is, and it's not something you can control as a, as a coach completely, but you can, you can do it, is to how healthy your team is going into this. Because once you start training camp, or really once actually after you get out of OTAs, your main focus is to get everybody that you can, your best players, to the max of your ability, healthy to that first ball game. And that was always something that was on my mind constantly, you know, trying to do that, you know, along with the mental and physical preparation that you have to have going into every opponent that you're going to face, and especially against an uncommon opponent. We're starting out with an NFC West team, somebody that we are not familiar with. So there's always a little bit more mental that goes into that kind of thing. And maybe the best conference coach, top to bottom, NFC uh, West, right? Uh, man. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I don't think there's a maybe to it. I think they are. <laughs> I mean, I really do. I mean, they, they are from top to bottom. When you really start looking at what they have and the point as to where they are in the development of those teams, you know, which is critical, you know, in the National Football League, I think you are 100% right. I think the NFC West is from top to bottom the strongest division in, in, uh, in football right now. Well, it's interesting too, Coach. You got a, Kyler Murray coming in, um, who passed for almost four thousand yards last year. He ran for eleven touchdowns. How in the world do you kind of prepare yourselves? It's game one. It's going to be hot. You're going to have to chase that little dude around all over the place on Sunday. Well, you're going to have to have a plan for him and a real definitive plan. I mean, I've I've been involved all my coaching years in in those off-schedule quarterbacks that you had to have a definitive plan for. And so they will have one for him. But here's the other thing about him when you start watching him, and I've done extensive work on him since the summer. The guy's not just a runaround guy. That guy's got a cannon on his, on his shoulder. I mean, he can spin it. You're talking about a Major League Baseball prospect, you know, as far as with an arm. I mean, this guy can, can throw it. I mean, and he can make all the throws. The other thing is, you know, even with his short stature, he can make all the throws off of any platform. He does not have to be standing in a perfect quarterback stance to make a throw anywhere on the field. This guy's a real challenge uh, physically uh, for a defense. Coach Matt giving us the Mac attack here on Blaine and Mickey. Yeah, Coach, uh, I guess give us, uh, besides the quarterback, give us some things you think may be the keys early in the week uh, to the Titans getting a victory versus Arizona. Well, first of all, against this offense, you can't disregard the run. Everybody thinks it's just uh-huh. spread them out and spin it. You know, well, Kingsbury came into the league thinking he can do that, but he, he's, he's changed his philosophy a little bit. And I think how they handle the run with Chase Edmonds, and then they got James Conner there for a reason, right? So they're going to use that dude too. And what they can use him in, I mean, he's a power type of a back, but Chase Edmonds can also split out. So don't disregard the running backs. I know everybody gets all caught up in, in what they have at receiver, which they do. And, and, and look, guys, DeAndre Hopkins is on that team. Do I need to say anything else? <laughs> I mean, we, we, we know what he is. I mean, we've seen what he is. We've got two former Texans, in fact, two of the, their best, to deal with, you know, on, on either side of the football going into this game. But, but DeAndre, Hop, DeAndre Hopkins is a big, big deal. And then A.J. Green, you know, and I've got a lot of sources there in, in Phoenix, you know, say that, that, that he's healthy and he's still got something left. So we know what he is. And the other thing is, is uh, they're going to run that Christian Kirk kid in the slot. So offensively, he and that Rondell Moore kid have been making some, some waves up there, you know. And here's the thing, their offensive line – 
I really like their left tackle, D.J. Humphreys. I think this guy is a solid guy. And the thing they went out and did, they went out and got Rodney Hudson for, for a center, and I think that's going to help that offensive line uh, quite a bit. So that's, that's the offensive side of it. If you want to move to the defensive side of it, they've got, they play a 3-4, but they play a multiple 3-4. They've got big dudes in the middle. That number 95, Leaky Foto, big dude. <laughs> All right. I mean, he's a, he's a he's a big big dude in there. And uh, to me, their their nose tackle, Rashard Lawrence, number ninety. He's somebody that we're going to have to get a hat on. And JJ Watt, I look for JJ Watt to be a rotational guy quite a bit to keep him healthy. But for early in the season, you know, even at this advanced age, he's going to be a problem, and he's going to be a matchup problem. Uh, the ninety four Zach Allen had a great year last year. I like their defense because and Marcus Golden. Number 44, that yeah, plays I mean, at Sam yeah. Backer when they move around. Don't – I mean, this guy from Missouri, I liked him coming out of Missouri. He is just a high energy and a consistent dude off the edge. And so those, those guys you're going to have to take care of. They've got two really, really long and fast young linebackers behind the line of scrimmage in, Z- in Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. Now, they may not have the best eye discipline yet, in their young career, but they're long and they can shrink the middle of the field with that length and speed. So to me, this is a good football team. It really is. And it's a good football team physically. I think they're a fast football team on both sides of the ball. That always presents problems. Oh, man, you didn't even mention, don't forget to safety, Buddha Baker. Man, just well, I, I just want you to say Buddha. No, I was going to say, I was going to say, I was going to save BB for the end because this guy is very, this, this guy is their eraser. Okay. Yeah, wow. He is their consistent eraser. He is their best defensive player without a doubt. I mean, he's their best defensive player. Uh, and to me, I mean, he's, he's a, he's a top 20 player in, in the national football league. I love his game. He's physical. He's instinctive. He can, he can lap. He can drop down. He can drop down and, and make tackles in the alley. Uh, he just—he is the eraser for that defense. So I was saving BB till the end there. Blaine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the original BB. But yeah. Anyway. <laughs> now, nah, just kidding. I'm not even on the radar. But uh, you know, I know you love ball. Uh, this has nothing to do with Arizona. But uh, you know, I, you know, TSU lost the game versus Grambling. But did you watch a little bit of that game? If you did, what was your observation? I watched every. I watched every second of it. Yeah. yeah. I watched every second <laughs> of it. And to me, the, the defense. I thought was was fairly impressive, especially when the one kid that that was suspended for fighting in the spring game. You know, their best defensive front guy wasn't available. I thought the defense would they got to settle on a quarterback, Blaine. If 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 you've got three quarterbacks that you're rotating in there, how many they have? What they have? Eighteen penalties in that game. I mean, you, you get eighteen penalties. Who are you going to beat? I mean, the game was sixteen ten. I mean, it was a close game, and they kept it close. But to me, just watching it. You know, as a as a very interested observer, offensively they they've got issues if they don't settle on a quarterback. Got you, Coach, Coach Mac. Hey, tonight Mac talk. You and Rhett Bryan, right? Six p.m. right here on the Zone and on Titans Radio. I can't wait. Live, live. Here we go again, Mac talk. I mean, you know, thanks for all of our great listeners in in, in the area and from whoever dials in to one zero four five the Zone. We get calls from everywhere. It's been very successful. Just gives people a chance to engage you know, with myself and get a chance to engage with Rhett and get some, get some uh, uh, little 
uh, deeper uh, analysis of what's going to go on with the Titans and also throughout the league. So uh, it's live. We, 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 don't, we don't take Mac talk, Mac talk. We do it live. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. I love interacting with the fans. Uh, to Blaine's point, when we started this thing, that's why I can't wait to see him in the stadium on Sunday. Coach, I love the show, and I can't wait to hear it tonight. We'll have it on while we eat our family dinner. I can promise you that. <laughs> looking forward to hearing it. Well, first of all, don't make don't don't make Christina mad because you have Mac talk on when the kids are trying to get settled at the dinner table. I don't want any of that to be the blame on me, Mickey. No way, Rhett and Coach Mac always welcome for dinner at our house. Thank you, Coach. Thanks, guys. See you. Appreciate right. it, Coach. Thanks. Hey, when we come back, I, I got a stat about Jerry Rice that involves Julio Jones that will blow your mind. It's Blaine and Mickey, one hundred four five The Zone. Would you- Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. So I, I saw this tweet from Peter Burns over the weekend. He's Peter Burns and Alan Bell have like the two most interesting tweeters to me just because Alan Bell just blow your mind with these random stats at like 3 in the morning if you can't sleep. Peter Burns <laughs> Peter Burns is, is an SEC commentator. Uh, Alan's our guy from Sportsline. Both great dudes, great follows on Twitter. I'm sure Alan's like, wait, if he's listening, hey, man, thanks. But Peter Burns had a tweet, and he said, what's your favorite random sports stat that blows your mind every time you see it? You know me in stats, Blaine. Mm-hmm. You know how much I love you random love. stats. I live for it. So I always try to bust Blaine and Dice on the Titans pregame or postgame with some stat. Well, several people responded to this with something about Jerry Rice. So here was the first one, and this was Kyle Madsen, I believe, who responded if Jerry Rice didn't catch another pass after leaving the 49ers, he'd still be the all-time leading receiver in yards by over 2,000. If he never played for anybody else, the yeah. Raiders, the Seahawks, remember he went everywhere after that. He would still be number one. Wow. So this is, this is what Mike Sando said, and here's the tie to Julio Jones. Julio Jones is the closest closest active player Larry Fitzgerald hasn't officially retired but I I mean I haven't seen anything about Larry Fitzgerald so that would make Julio Jones the closest active player Mm -hmm. to Jerry Rice do you know how and and think about this if somebody says and Lucas if somebody says to you or Blaine Julio Jones do you not immediately think Hall of Fame yes right you don't even have to think about it like that's the first three Literally, if somebody says Julio Jones, that's the first thing I think about. That's not what I think. Okay. I, I think uh, what a heck of a specimen. Oh, now he is <laughs> that oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Julio Jones is a first ballot, I think, sure thing Hall of Famer and quite a specimen. He is 9,999 yards behind Jerry Rice. He would Where's have. He's at what thirteen thousand? Where's he at right now? He's at twelve eight ninety six. Okay, okay, okay. Jerry Rice is at twenty two eight ninety five. Larry Fitzgerald is actually second on the list, but like I said, I haven't he's seen that he's retired. He's seventeen thousand four ninety two. He's the, 5, the real comparison yards. though is year ten, which is what this is for Julio. Or is this eleven? Where was Jerry Rice at year ten or eleven? Whatever Julio is in in, in numbers as far as 
yardage. To see how even they are? Yeah. Yeah, or, or not. Be, because this is actually a, a, a more of a passing league now. Uh, Jerry and those guys pass the ball a lot because they were in the West Coast offense, but uh, that would be kind of interesting to see. I bet it would be a closer knot. I, I bet Jerry probably still wins that one. This is year 10 for Julio. Okay, going on year 10, yeah. This so where was 10. Jerry Rice going on year 10, like in yardage? All was right. he at 13,000? Let's just see if he's there. Going into the season, not at the end of the season, going into it. And, you know, he played with two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, Jerry Rice, in Joe Montana and Steve Young. So, uh, you know, I don't know if people are going to think Matty Ice is a Hall of Famer. He may get close because of the numbers. But I think Julio's feet, and I, I hate to say that, I think what he's done is a little – more impressive in going into your tent. What, what do the numbers say? Jerry Rice said 13-275. So he's only beating him by about 500 yards, just 400 yards or so. Uh, so. And he's the best to ever do it, at receiver. So Julio's on the right track. And, and by the way, remember, he missed a lot of games last year, or he probably would have it. Yeah. Still pretty amazing that a guy could be thought of as a Hall of Famer, and, and then you have no one's ever going to break that record. Are they? Of Jerry Rice, 22,000. With longevity. Oh so somebody's got to want to play that long and, uh, you know, to over, you know, take it down. Where's T.O. on the list as far as yardage like that? I thought T.O. was up there, no? T.O. Terrell Owens is number three, 15, yeah. 934. Okay. And then Randy Moss, then Isaac Bruce, who you got a good look at. Tony Gonzalez on there. Uh, Tim Brown, who was another guy that played forever. I'm Steve Smith, Marvin guys. Harrison, Reggie Wayne. More Colts in there. Oh, man. yeah. You get all those guys out of there. Only guy I didn't play against was Steve Smith. Out of those those uh, receivers. Yep, I, I saw I saw a lot of them, and I saw the backside of them. <laughs> but chasing see, them, chasing people, them. People seeing the backside of us because we got to go. <laughs> it's time for us to go. Three HLs up up next. Nice. I'm always giving you great great material there. Sets me up every time. Peace. Right. Yep. Happy Tuesday and peace.